Hey there. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. And who are you? I thank you. I'm Kwaku. And who are you? I'm Otto, and this is Radio Zamunda the Dope Shit. Yes, yes sir. All right. So we're gonna do the quickest of quick introductions today because mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to change it up on you. Oh shit. Okay. I'm I'm looking forward to it. That's uh that's not your usual thing, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. It it isn't. I okay. figured, you know, we've we've done fifty some odd. Maybe we can tweak the formula a little bit. Sweet. Um so let's do you wanna just dig in? Yeah, bring it on. Let's go. Radio Zamunda. We're gonna we're gonna intro we're gonna intro this a little differently. Sure. Than we normally do. All right. Um. So today, I've brought back a dope guest. Nice. I brought back dope shit. Okay. And so I know we've gotten into the thing where uh, typically you know we bring someone on either one of us right. and then we have three guesses to figure out what they do. Right. Right. We get into the conversation. Right. But you've already met this person, so you already know what they do. Ah, cool. So we're going to flip it. The person's here. Yep. You can't see them. Just as mystery guest. Mystery guest. You know, in the the Zoom here. You're going to have three guesses to guess who the person is. Oh, before before they come on. No, they're on. They can hear you. Oh, they can hear me. Okay. They're Uh, on before they reveal themselves. Right. So in 50. You know what we can do? You can ask three questions, and then you can okay. guess afterwards. Okay. But the questions okay. have to be yes or no questions. Yes or no questions. Okay. Yeah. So is this guest... Uh, so I guess we're starting. Okay, which mm-hmm. is cool. Okay, so we've had about 50-some-odd um, episodes. So I'm picking up from a pool of 50 people. So exactly. I only have three... Yeah, yeah. you have three questions. To, to I only can have three questions. Okay. Yes or so no. So is this person a musician? Mystery guest, can you answer yes or no? No. What, what if I under? What if I recognize the voice? No. <laughs> Hold on. Do you recognize the voice? I well, if the mystery guest speaks a couple more times, I <laughs> probably can narrow it down. Um, is the mystery guest an educator? So, mystery guest, I want you to go even further in uh, in trying to disguise your voice. If you can answer in a different way. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, um, the mystery guest sounds like a sorcerer now. Um, the mystery guest is not an educator, not a musician. Um, I'm just going through the um, people. Okay. Is the mystery guest... Uh, involved in climate change. Yes. <laughs> so is it Cassie? <laughs> and I totally, I, yeah, it was, it's almost my first guess because I was like, I heard the voice and I was like, all right, let me let, let me just. <laughs> I 
that's how Quaka gave me gave me really one strict direction right. which was don't laugh because Otto will immediately get totally. it if you laugh. Yep. And then I blew it with really the first. <laughs> I your disguised voice was amazing, though, because I was like, is it a witch? <laughs> no. <laughs> My it's a little witch. Yes. Um, <laughs> What's up, Cassie? How are you doing? It's so good to see it you. It is too. Um, I've, uh, I, you know, I, I think Kwaku has a different plan here, but I just want to say, boy, <laughs> in the last few years, have I wanted to talk to you for a range of reasons, mostly like, how are you going to get us out of this? Because <laughs> this is all your responsibility and it's all fucked right now. Um, so I know we, I know we traded one or two texts back and forth and like almost recently, but like I, you've been on my mind a lot because I'm like, I don't know how Cassie's going to get us out of this. Cause it's all on her. Wow. Good morning. No, no pressure. No pressure. Yes. Yeah. No, we, we, we definitely have a lot of work to do, yeah. but I, yeah, I'm, I am so happy to see you though, because I have, you know, and I remember we were texting when I was watching away yeah. and, you know, all of the amazing work that you're doing. Oh. And I, you've been on my mind, too, because I'm just such I I just so love your work. Oh, it's come amazing. on. Stop it. I'm so excited about this. The, but, the more chances we get to talk, the better. Me, too. Uh, okay. I, right. Back Hold at on. you. OK, before, before we before we because I feel like this is automatically going to be this amazing conversation. Um, right. We need to do two things first. Mm -hmm. uh, you, sir, with the shirt, looks like you have Muhammad Ali on, you, on yep. your shirt there. Uh, who are yep. you? I'm Atul, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the... Dope. Shit. Yes. Okay, so mm -hmm. that's one. Number mm -hmm. two, for people who were not lucky enough to hear the original podcast, and I think we actually have to repost this one, because I'm not sure if it's up since we yeah. switched services. Yeah. Um, so we might have to do the repost when we post this one. Um, um, Cassie. Can you please introduce yourself and explain? Because I, I, it's hard for me to even explain what you do to people. Or for she saves people. lives. Yeah, she saves is, the world. she's an Avenger. Modern superhero. <laughs> yes. Cassie Flynn. I'm just going to have you both introduce me wherever I go <laughs> now. Like, you know. badass so, person. So just, exciting. Yeah. Um, this is our good friend Cassie Flynn. Cassie, can you explain what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, I work at the United Nations on climate change issues. And so I am um, an advisor to uh, many countries, uh, whether they are policymakers or heads of state, an advisor to sort of world leaders on, on how exactly Otto, kind of how we get out of this mess. And um, I am the head of something called the United Nations Development Programs, uh, Climate Promise. And this is uh, the, the world's sort of biggest effort for countries to make uh, pledges underneath the Paris Agreement and how they're going to fulfill them. So yeah, so I, in, in real terms, what that really means is I spend a lot of time doing two things. One is I spend a lot of time in those rooms with the little translator thing on your ear, mm -hmm. uh, listening to people sort of negotiate and uh, kind of you know, discuss how we how we deal with the climate crisis. But then I also support people around the world, uh, governments and, and others to be able to take the action on the ground that uh, helps fulfill the promise of, of the Paris Agreement. See, she's a fucking Avenger. She's one of the Avengers. <laughs> totally. 
Like I'm, before, I'm just gonna have you introduce me now. Yes, also, before here, Cassie here goes to work, she goes Avengers Assemble, and then like <laughs> everybody comes together. Oh, that's how that's God. how she's dressed, and just like the clothes come flying out. Of yeah, the yeah, the clothes come flying. Yeah, the whole thing. It's like you know. it's like Mary Poppins meets climate change. Um, exactly. <laughs> big carpet bag. <laughs> you know, I mean, you hear this, and I'm like, well, essentially, I work at Starbucks comparatively. Like, like I don't even know how I fill my days. Oh my God. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I know it's going to sound like a really open-ended question. Kind of like, "Hey, what have you been up to since the last time we spoke?" <laughs> um, but um, I, I'm going to I'm going to kick us off this way. We started like when we were waiting for you. Optics said Cassie joined a little bit earlier, right? We were talking a little bit about um, about uh, this COVID and what that looks like on a global scale. Mm. Uh, and Cassie, we shared this really interesting statistic, and I'm going to totally butcher it, but. Um, so Cassie, just be prepared to correct me. Um, as far as like vaccines, um, uh, whether it be like established or superpower nations or nations with established economies have received 300 million vaccines mm -hmm. and developing nations have received 55 million. Mm -hmm. And, and so if you were to actually Cassie, you, you probably can explain it better than I just did. Oh, well, no, I mean, I, I think what this really gets to is that as we are seeing, this crisis unfold with, with COVID and how countries are able to respond, the inequities of the world are really starting to rise to the surface. And we're seeing that in real time. And, and so when it comes to vaccine distribution, um, and this, this is a bit old, this, this isn't the most recent, statistic that's right. most recent right now, but essentially hundreds of millions of vaccines have gone to the richest countries in the world and tens have gone to the poorest countries in the world. So we're looking at you know, hundreds of millions, 100 million, 200 million going to rich countries and 55, 55 right. going to some of the poorest. And, right. and, and we're seeing that happen. And then you think about what that looks like on the ground now, but what that's gonna look like also in a year, mm -hmm. in five years, how, how these inequities are gonna really start to broaden just because of what happens when an entire country gets vaccines mm -hmm. and when an entire country doesn't. Right. So. And and the interesting thing is, um, uh, the the these all sort of the, the 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 battle for climate change and the battle to get everybody on board to sort of um, uh, look at this huge problem and it only can be solved if everybody's involved uh, and everybody's on board and it's like this uh, COVID nineteen um, is sort of a microcosm of the problem, I think, of climate change, right? Because the, the industrialized nations or the quote unquote first world nations can have all the resources in the world. Um, and I don't know, um, shore up their levees and build the infrastructure to battle the oncoming climate change. But like, it doesn't matter if everybody's not involved in this climate change is going to destroy us all. Like we can't protect ourselves from, you know, the rising temperatures. It'll be enough there'll be enough of a temperature rise where everything's a desert. Uh, in the same way, if not everybody gets the vaccine, great, I've been vaccinated, but um, if there isn't herd immunity, and what herd immunity means is the entire globe, then it doesn't matter, we're still fucked. Um, and my, um, my parents who live in Ghana, like one of my uh, hugest fears that I've been dealing with over the last uh, um, year is that, 
okay, great, we've got vaccines and this incredible uh, feat of getting not just one, but like five viable vaccines. But my parents live in Ghana, even though they're well off, they're never going to get this vaccine. Um, thankfully, they actually got their first dose a couple of weeks ago, which gave me um, which gave me absolute joy. Like I couldn't believe when they called me and they told me. Uh, but it was also bittersweet because I was like, well, that's great. They're they're pretty well off in Ghana, so they probably have the access to get these vaccines. But it's not going to matter if my parents are the only people to get the vaccine in Ghana or if I, you and Kwaku are the only people in America to get the vaccine. It doesn't matter because the vaccine or the virus will figure out ways because of evolution to evolve into more deadly strains and more virulent strains, and it will keep continuing to go on. Um, so I, I guess my, I guess the immediate question is, and I think I kind of asked this before, is there any hope? Because it feels like we're always going up against, you know, the human limitations, right, of of thought. It's not that I feel like it's not like we don't have the science or the technology or the knowledge to be able to deal with any of this stuff. It's really human will and human ability to sort of think outside of their fucking selves. And is have we come up against a um a road an evolutionarily an evolutionary and uh, sorry, an evolutionary roadblock. Like our frontal lobes aren't developed enough to be able to sort of have enough of the empathy and enough of the knowledge to understand that this is what we have to be working on right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're spot on with that, and and I think that this is with climate and with COVID, mm -hmm. we're we're really seeing the same thing happen, mm -hmm. and. We, as you said, we have the technology, mm -hmm. we have the know-how, mm -hmm. we have the money. Mm -hmm. We, the world has what it takes right. to address the climate crisis, right. similar how the world has what it takes to address the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but it really is a question of what do you stand for? Mm -hmm. What are your values? Mm -hmm. Because, as you said, it the herd and herd immunity is the entire planet, right. and and even today, you know, we saw, um, you know, the Japanese government announced that the Olympics now are not going to have any spectators. I just saw that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that they're going to host the Olympics with just the athletes, mm -hmm. and no one else can come see that. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and this is, I think, a recognition of the fact that the world is not even mm -hmm. when it comes to rolling out this this vaccine. Mm -hmm. And this is, we didn't get here, this sort of unevenness of the world, just overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't get here like, oh, you know, it's because of the vac vaccine or COVID or it's because of climate. It's, no, this has been decades, hundreds of years of countries really grappling with, and we've seen this most recently in the United States with, with the last administration, you know, America first. Right. In Brazil, Brazil first. Right. And, and there is this attitude of, okay, well, me first, and then I'm going to worry about everyone else. Right. And the problem with that is that it doesn't acknowledge that your fate is tied to everyone else's. Right. That you you cannot go it alone mm -hmm. and succeed. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. And and this is where I think, you know, at, at the United Nations, you know, we, we, of course, stand for multilateralism and we stand for getting everybody around the table. And even though that process is slow, it is hard. Mm. It is frustrating. It's really the only way that we can we can do this. Mm. And and I think with with the the vaccines and with COVID, it's such an example of this that 
yeah, you can, you can have the money to buy a bunch of vaccines. Mm -hmm. You can also have a bunch of money that can go in stimulus packages that, that, that pump uh, up your, your economy. But unless you are acknowledging that, that you are in it with the whole world, you are in it with everybody that you're not going to be able to get the results and, and protect your people or protect the planet in a way that that seals your own fate. Right. If you are tied to everyone else right. and, and this this idea of saying, hey, us first, it it just can't. It, it it's just not gonna be able to result in um in you being able to save yourself or others. And it's ironic that the the us first countries, like you mentioned our country and Brazil, are the ones who have been impacted. It seems that like the 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 most, most yeah. of, you know per capita deaths have occurred um essentially with us but like with the countries who are like we don't care it's us first we're gonna you know our freedom our sort of whatever um that isolation um actually supports what you just said right like you can't you can't go at this isolated right i can i i can't be the only one vaccinated that's great i'm a vaccinated but i'm still fucked right it's it's so senseless to me Right, right. And we're even seeing that, you know, with within countries, mm-hmm. too, because, um, you know, some of, you know, some of the poorest people in the world are in the richest countries. Yeah. And and which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and with vaccines and with the impact of covid and certainly the impact of climate, look at who is especially vulnerable mm-hmm. to both climate and covid. Mm-hmm. And it's often it's often the same communities. Right. It is, yep. it is, it is poor communities, it is black and brown communities around the world that are facing these challenges. And it is a moment, I think, for, for the world to step up yeah. for these communities, yeah. to step up because our fates are tied. Yeah. It's, it's not just about, you know, oh, hey, we, you know, this is, it's not just the right thing to do, right. but our fates are tied. Yeah. We have to do this together. Yeah. Now, it, it's interesting that you're talking about our fates being tied. I, I have so many questions because, you know, we went through this huge lockdown where, and, you know, living in Southern California, all of a sudden there was no traffic. Mm. Like we didn't have traffic for months. Mm-hmm. I still only see it occasionally. And so I'm curious, is there a silver lining in here? Was there any sort of bump um, to our longevity from a climate change perspective because the world basically shut down? for a couple mm-hmm. months and then how do you feel that that is uh this reset would possibly um encourage more of this type of thing even the idea of people working from home less people commuting all of that like our company or companies our country seeing the effect of this and understanding oh okay how do we how do we mm-hmm. help to reinforce this policy these policies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. And, um, you know, we saw throughout COVID um, to global emissions drop by about 7%. Mm. It's, you know, we really did see, we saw a drop. But the challenge is that now that things are opening up, they are opening up mm-hmm. just like an explosion. Mm-hmm. And so they are expecting actually that the the cumulative impact on emissions is, is going to be negligible. Right. That um, even though... We did have, as you said, you know, people are not commuting. There are fewer cars on the road. That once things start to open up, things are just going to go so uh, so gangbusters mm-hmm. that that it w- it will negate the um, the impact. Um, but 
But you said something that I think is really important, which is this word reset. And, and while I think we haven't been able to, to reset when it comes to emissions, I think there's possibility that we have been able to reset something else, mm. which is we can change at a speed and a scale that we have never seen before. That when, when COVID hit, we saw something that we have never seen. And, and that is, I mean, people went into lockdown. As you said, people started transitioning to more digital modes of working. We saw, we saw a real transition. We saw governments start to pump billions of dollars in stimulus packages that, um, that, that were supporting industries. We saw um, support for vaccine development and distribution. We, we, saw, um, we saw economies essentially start to change overnight. And this is where I think the reset is so important. We know it's possible. Mm -hmm. And for climate, we need a similar reset. We need that. We need this way of thinking that, like, yeah, it's important that people drive less, but it's also important that we make our cars different. Yeah, you know that yeah. we design our cities differently. Mm -hmm. That that these big picture solutions, these these big things, the way that the world works, completely changes. And and we've been able to get a sense of how that's possible with with vaccine development and with the response to COVID. Um, and, and I think this is where we can start to take note of this with when it comes to climate, because we need something that big and that fast mm -hmm. for the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. and, and it's possible. And in fact, we can use some of the, the ways that the world is changing because of COVID um, to, to help support a better response to climate. And, and it's this reset that is, um, that is so critical that, that you're talking about. So you're saying like, we actually have a roadmap of what we, so, you know, we're faced with this pandemic. We're faced with like, essentially, oh shit, we're going to die moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in this immediate way. Like, all right, cool. Everybody transition. This is warning. This is what we're going to do. And it, of course, obviously it looks different in different countries. Like I've had people in Australia tell me that, you know, like if they've had 40 cases, that's why like four people get sick, then right. everything shuts down. Mm -hmm. you know, and they, they immediately go into lockdown. But then the, the downside of it is that they're writing this into the laws, uh, like they're doing a Patriot Act thing over there, where the, the states can automatically lock down within hours whenever they want to from here on out, because they've seen that people can follow that. Mm -hmm. So while that's not positive, you know, or that's kind of scary, imagining doing the same thing for climate change. You know, it's, I mean, from an education perspective, Literally, there are no more snow days. Mm -hmm. There, no, there don't have to be snow days anymore. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, so what if you know we? I mean, and I'm just you know throwing this out here. We had a work work from home weeks. You know, where it's mm -hmm. like, all right, everyone, this week everyone's going to work from home because this is part of what we're doing. In addition to building the cars differently, um, mm -hmm. in addition to finding different ways of different materials in which we're packaging lunches, all of that. But all right you know, this is something that's just built in. You're still working, but these are like built in work from home months or work from home weeks that happen every two to three weeks. And this is part of what we do to mitigate climate change. I love that, that idea that we have this roadmap. We see that the money, the money can flow. We see that people can behave differently and survive and be okay. Mm -hmm. I think the real question is how do we get people to buy into something that doesn't feel, because people aren't even fully buying into COVID. Right. So how do we get them to buy into something where it's not even, oh, well, a friend of a friend's person 
a friend of a friend's family member uh, passed away as a result of climate change because it isn't that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It isn't a flu-like symptom. It isn't the walking dead or something where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. they got him. You know, it's, right. it's just slowly, like, you slowly get warmer, you slowly get colder. As you get older, you slowly lose some of your memories, you know? Mm-hmm. How do we get people to, and I don't know if you know this answer, but how do we get people to buy into the non-immediate danger of climate change and then act accordingly? Well, I think that's something that's really interesting about, about COVID and, and climate is it really underscores the fact that science matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, science is important. Okay, you have to remind people. <laughs> hey, uh, but, but you do, right? Yeah. Like you do, and and I think that this is also, and, and it's been really interesting for me because I'm, you know, when I started, uh, sort of at at the UN, I was, um, I trained negotiators. We, you know, we this was before before the Paris Agreement, and um, my job was to help negotiators from, um, in particular, you know, smaller countries, and you know, at, at within the, the international world, the way a negotiation works and at the UN is that everybody has an equal seat at the table. Um, and this is really important because it's the only forum in the world where that is true. And the, but when you are from a small country, I mean, here you are, your delegation is, you know, four or five people, and then in walks a huge country mm-hmm. that is very powerful mm-hmm. and they have hundreds of people that are expert economists, scientists, negotiators. And, and something that was so interesting to me in, in that experience was that, um, you know, it was only really kind of one country that, um, that said, like, you know, climate change was questionable in, its, uh, in, in the way that the government addressed it. So, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, in the United States, climate change was so political, still is so political, that, you know, you tell me what you think on climate change, and I can probably tell you where your politics are. Mm, I remember and saying in, that, yeah. Yeah, in other countries, it wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. It was, climate change is a social issue mm-hmm. along education, healthcare, where you may disagree on how you uh, address it, but it, it wasn't it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, there's no need for education or there's no need for healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is so interesting about the last 10 years is that has shifted, I think, in a really worrying way is that you have more and more countries now. And, and I think the, the COVID piece has really brought this out, sort of looking at science in a highly politicized way that is blocking scientists, that is blocking uh, people that are trying to solve these problems through scientific means from actually being able to, to do what they do. And um, when the politics really starts getting in the way, that's when you start seeing this, this confusion. Like people looking around and being like, well, wait a minute, I, I, I hear about climate, but I, I don't really know what it is. And I've got all these other people sort of telling me that, oh, this is a big grand conspiracy and I shouldn't pay attention to it and, and all of that. And, and the science and the, the decades worth of, of discussion about this topic gets sort of boiled down to a Facebook post or a tweet or, right. or right. something that doesn't do justice to the fact that this that what we know about climate is decades mm-hmm. worth of research and decades worth of work. And, and what we know about COVID and what we know about pandemics is, you know, is, is decades worth of research that has gotten us to be able to say the things that we say. Mm-hmm. And, and this questioning of that, I think, has, has really 
eroded our ability to solve them. Right. Um, and, you know, not to say that science always gets it right, not to say that there aren't, you know, it's not a, it, it, it's not a, a sort of a, you know, a quick fix for anything. Mm -hmm. But when we lose this rooting in science, we lose the ability to solve these problems yeah. because we get so distracted yeah. by the, by the yelling at yeah. each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what I, you know, what, what that elicits in me or what that makes me think of, you know, um, I, the, I grew up in science, like that's my education. So I, I learned the scientific method. I, uh, I appreciate the scientific method. Um, and so that's a, a bit of a privilege for me that if you give me facts, like if you say, well, we've been doing this data and we've, we had this hypothesis before and then it became this theory and then, oh, let's, let's revise this theory because now we've figured out that, um, um, six feet, you know, you can you can you can lower it to three feet between people in schools. And, you know, that comes from, uh, well, we've been doing this for a year and now we've got data to back that up. Right. So why what I'm saying is that, like, for me, I have an understanding of the the factual method of collecting data and analyzing that data and creating models. That's nothing new for me. So you can tell me that, oh yeah, six, 12 months ago, they were saying don't wear masks. And then they were like, oh, wear masks. And I'm like, oh great, because they've got data. I'm not like, oh, look at the science. They don't know what they're talking about, right? I understand that this is a collection of data. And I think that the, the where us, us uh, I'll include myself for a second, us scientists get it wrong is that human beings who haven't grown up in science or who don't understand science need a story they they like facts don't work which I is going to say this you stole right, my right. question again sure right and and, and you know <laughs> I, i'm a cheater and that's that's what i do so i saw i i cribbed kwaku's notes um yes. so so the uh, so the issue is um uh, and, and it is, it, it does sort of give me hope on one side and no hope on the other side is that, you know, if the science um, understands that, you know, the sort of um, uh, um, bloodless data is not the way to sort of communicate um, these concepts to regular everyday human beings, um, I think it's it's easier to sort of get that message across, right? Um, and I don't know how to do that. Maybe that's where artists come in. Maybe that's where, you know, there's there's people like Neil deGrasse Tyson who seem to be incredible storytellers and can explain this kind of thing. And um, um, Bill Nye, the science guy, there's people who are really great science communicators. And I can see where when I watch NASA stuff now, they pick representatives who are really good at like telling a story behind the science. Um, and that's something that's that we need to do, I feel, on the science level, but also on the political level. I mean, I think as a human being, I, I noticed the immediate change uh, when the Biden administration came in mm -hmm. and you see somebody like Joe Biden and they keep harping about his empathy. But that's how low the bar is right now. Like the guy has empathy. Great. He can like <laughs> speak to human beings. Right. We see also how important that is. Right. Just giving a, a let, let's all take a moment of silence for the 500,000 people that are dead. Right. Let's talk about that. Let's let's tell that story is how we bring society forward in this. Um, and I think that's where 
we need to um, sort of focus our energy and also on critical thinking in basic education, because that's the other thing that I don't think we have. So that's how you get QAnon conspiracies. And that's how you get the earth is flat and we didn't really land on the moon and that uh, Al Gore and George Soros are making this up so they can make money off of I don't know what you would make money off of it. Right. So um, it's so the hopelessness that I find sometimes is that it seems immeasurably daunting for all of these things to be able to get, you know, in gear with the time that we have to sort of, you know, actually face this climate change issue because to me i'm like it's almost too late like we're we're in the decades not we're not in the hundreds of years we're in the you know next decade if we don't take care of this we're fucked you know so can i add a question onto your statement here yes yes is it worth it to radicalize climate change how do we how do we radicalize it and and Mm. sensationalize it in a QAnon way you know and i know this is something cassie that you're working on as far as like you know, because right. I've been to conferences with you, you know, climate change conferences with you, where mm. it's like I'll go in and sit in a session and then I'll come out and, you know, I'll see you later and I'll, and I'll say to you, I went to this session and I had no idea what was being said. Like I understood the general theme, but then when they went, in, and it's exactly what Otto was talking about. When they went into the details of the science and like, oh, we need to get to a degree. Uh, we need to, we can't go up a degree per person per year. You know, I got, I got lost. And I and I and I came in with the mindset I'm reading the materials, but it's all over my head. How do we, how do we USA today, this cause, or even <laughs> even better, you know, because you were talking about like decades of science competing with a Facebook quote. Mm-hmm. How do we translate that decades of science to that quote? You know, because everyone's going to question it or use that as their reference point. How do we give them that other side because they're just getting one. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, this is, I have, I have so many things to say about this. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's so, it's so it, it, it is the issue that we have right now, is, is how do you bring people into this mm. in a way that gives them a safe sort of space to think about climate change? Mm. Because it is so politicized, and um, and something you know, we we did something uh, at the UN. Um, it, we did something that was that was pretty interesting. We uh, hosted something called the People's Climate Vote, mm. and we did this actually through video games. Mm-hmm. And we created an ad that went into Angry Birds and Candy Crush, and you know, you get those thirty second ads. Yeah. And, and we created a poll out of that thirty second. And we sent it out into the world and um, we didn't really know what we were going to get. And fast forward, we ended up getting the largest poll on climate change in history. And um, it covers 56% of the world's population. That's crazy. It was nuts. And it's, it's incredible because what we're doing now is we're taking all of that data and giving that to world leaders and policymakers to say, here's how your people think Mm -hmm. about climate. And, um, but a couple of interesting things happened with the results of this and one was we asked everybody, do you think climate change is a global emergency? Mm-hmm. And two thirds of the world's people think that climate change is a global emergency. Holy shit. And we asked, and we asked them this during a pandemic. You know, this all happened just, you know, late last year. And so two thirds of the world's people think, think that climate change is a global emergency. Mm-hmm. And then we asked people, well, how do you want to solve it? Mm-hmm. 
and we, we, what do you want your government to do? And, and we gave them sort of six categories and it was some of the, the, the biggest ways that we can solve the crisis. Um, and it was everything from, from energy, transportation, farms and food, protecting nature, uh, protecting people and transportation. And we gave everybody sort of three and three options per category. So you could click all 18, you could click none, you could, you could do whatever you want. And what was so interesting about this is that if someone said that climate change was a global emergency, on average, they picked eight of the 18 policies. Wow. Okay, here's, here's the eight. But for the people that said climate change was not a global emergency, they went on to pick six. They picked six solutions on climate change that were just really important to them. Right. And, oh. and so it, what's really interesting is when you take climate, you know, sort of out of it and you just ask people, do you want to protect forests? Mm -hmm. Do you want to change the way you get energy? Mm -hmm. Do you want to support indigenous communities and mm -hmm. stewards of nature? Mm -hmm. People say yes, mm -hmm. they do. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's so interesting because you, and it signaled for us, okay, this actually means this is about people choosing their future. This is about people imagining what is possible. And, and right now, the world's problems are on display. I mean, what we have had with COVID, and, 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 I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, what we have had with, with climate, what we have with the outcries of racism and injustice in the world, these are really important conversations we need to be having. Mm -hmm. And the question, and it goes back out to what you said in the beginning, how do we get ourselves out of this mess? Mm -hmm. How do we do it? Mm -hmm. and, and this is very much what this poll was about, was what, what are the solutions? Mm -hmm. um, and then I think this also gets to, to another thing about um, what, what you both were saying in, in terms of, of storytelling. Um, I think this is so key. I, you know, we need to be talking about climate change in the ways that, um, that resonate with people, that people can understand and um, you know, I gave, um, you know, I give a lot of talks in, as a part of my, my job mm -hmm. and um, I give a lot of wonky talks and, you know, and, and, you know, I'll have lots of numbers and charts and graphs and people sort of nod and, you know, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. The minute I start talking about how climate change is going to affect baseball <laughs> or the minute I start talking about how climate change is going to affect your cocktail mm -hmm. at happy hour, mm -hmm. That is when people say, wait, what? <laughs> you know, excuse me? Like, you know, when, when I start talking about how it's going to affect wine or mm -hmm. chocolate, mm -hmm. um, you know, these are the things that, that it's all of a sudden people say, oh, and, and as much as people, I think, do care about sort of polar bears and rainforests or, or, or these Glaciers big and... statistics, mm -hmm. they, you know, they all of a sudden they really pay attention when it's like, oh, actually climate change is going to affect your Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. You know, climate change is going to affect your, your plane ride. Right. Like they, these are the things that it's like, oh, okay, yeah. the world is, is going to change. And then, which, so then the, the third thing I just, I just want to mention too is, is messengers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this role of, of science and this role of being able to, to celebrate science in popular culture is so mm -hmm. important. And, and Otto, this is why I loved Away. Me too. Is that here you have a show mm -hmm. that demonstrates and, and it shows the heroism 
mm-hmm. of scientists mm-hmm. who have worked their whole lives mm-hmm. to do something like get to Mars. Mm-hmm. And then you have international collaboration. collaboration. You have all of the things that, and these are not easy things. These are not simple things, mm-hmm. but you are showing people in, you know, in a, in a very popular show on, on Netflix mm-hmm. that watch away. everybody. That, it's great. Hashtag. Watch away, mm-hmm. watch away. Everybody watch away. Yeah. And, 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 but we need more aways. Right. We need more of that. Yeah. We need more shows that are actually saying, Hey, this is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of drama in this. There's a lot of stories in this that, that to be told um, about how this, how this affects our lives and, and the people that are the real Avengers, the people that are, are the real heroes right. in, in, in doing this. Right. What's interesting, what's, um, that made me think of number one is yes, the way things are framed are so important. I mean, that's the, the whole debate about defund the police. Once you say defund the police, there's a contingent of people who say, what, no police, right? And it's like, the, that's not the message, but um, until you can get the, the correct soundbite or story or way to frame it, that's the only way you get into people. So if, if you said, well, um, if you, if in the defunded police, you know, you get to watch more baseball, maybe that will hit some, you know, the people that you need to hit that, which is, um, really important and it's also uh it makes me think of belief systems it makes me think that what motivates society to get to a certain level civilization to get to a certain level there's a there's a belief system um you know historically it's been a religious usually belief system that's how you you know you get out of the ice age because like you have a common cause there's a there's a a god that's like that's made you the hero of this land and like you need to go and find this land and you know and this god will bequeath this kind of thing to you um and i think that the 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 new i, I want to put air quotes around it religion and this is this is really problematic for me to say it but like has to be in the belief in science right like we don't need witch doctors anymore guys we don't need sort of high priests who only speak to the one you know true being or whatever i i feel like it's like the collective is now the god and the 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 science and the reason is the reason why things happen the and how to propel things forward because the data of what you just said about maybe 15 minutes ago is we there's a huge paradigm shift in America, right? Like I'm 48 years old, right? So the whole time I've been told that trickle down economics is the thing, right? Give tax cuts to rich people and that works. And then suddenly we get into a pandemic and even Republicans, at least the first time, are like, we need two point nine trillion dollars to get us out of this thing. And now we need another two trillion. Of course, the Republicans didn't vote for this one. But now we actually need to give money and resources to people like it's like it's it's important or this whole thing falls apart. So that's the data part that that's the 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 experimental um, sort of um, data. But the story behind it now needs to be told, right? Because we can't in the reset, I I don't think, go back to pure capitalism and pure let the markets work the way they're gonna work because I feel like that's how we got into the situation now. And so there's a huge um, 
there, there must be a huge effort into how we craft this new story that we find ourselves in because of the peril we've been in, right? Like we need money. We need to give vaccine. Even if we all in America get vaccinated, we need to make vaccines for the other countries that might not be able to have those resources because like you said in the beginning, we're all in this together, right? It cannot be America first. It's got to be Earth first. You know what I mean? Kwaku's raising his hand. I, I, was, I didn't want to cut you off. I was just no, no, contact no. me to Zoom. You're saying so many things. And I was like, yeah. oh, you know, okay. All right. I want to no, know. So we're going to go back to this. Um, one, you said something really interesting about it being the belief. And, and so mm -hmm. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what are the things that we believe in? Mm. Just, and I'm, 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 I can't talk about other countries. I sure. can talk about here. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it is religion, but I really think that our beliefs are fear and consumption. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, those mm -hmm. are the things, you know, what Cassie was talking about, the causality of climate change, you mm -hmm. know, climate change, whatever. Wait a minute, I can't have olives, so I can't have a martini. Right, right. And, you know, I, I can't have avocado, so I can't have avocado toast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the consumption piece. Mm -hmm. And then there's the fear, mm -hmm. you know, where we have the fear of the virus. So it's like, all right, well, you might die. So, okay, right. I'll, I'll get my groceries delivered. Right. And even, even in this pandemic, you were talking about, um, well, we need money, you know, we need to give, we need to get this money to give it to people, but it was still trickle down economics because mm -hmm. everything that was driving the, the, the idea of giving money was how do we maintain the economy? It is right. how do we save lives, but right. how do we, how do we make sure that the stock market is still doing okay? Which, right. I was, I was, I heard this on another podcast, Disney during the pandemic, all of their, you know, theme parks, they're shut down, mm -hmm. but yeah, they, they made more money. Mm -hmm. And, and what's, yeah. what's um, amazing about that in, in this, this uh, paradigm shift that we're forced to, and, and Kwaku, you've heard me say this, I think a hundred thousand times on this, um, podcast and other podcasts that I've been on because I'm trying to understand what this is about, but you know, we have one person on this planet who has $150 billion worth of resources. <laughs> like one person, right? And if one person has that, that to me means that um, uh, hunger, poverty, uh, lack of education, lack of houses, lack of land, lack of fresh, clean water is, is possible but we allow that much resource to accrue with one person, right? That makes no sense, right? We have, there's a per, there are several people in this country, but there's one person I'm talking about who could write a check and no kid would be hungry going to school, period, right? Like that money, right? Like when I look at what the, 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 the $2 trillion um, stimulus bill, you know, includes, a few people in our country could write those checks, right? And, and, and still be extraordinarily rich and extraordinarily wealthy, but it's a choice. They don't do it. And I'm not even blaming them. It's the, it's the belief system that we have that is now, um, I, I think maybe at the, 
you know, the be- the dawn of time might have helped us advance. Might you know, how do you get pyramids built unless you enslave a bunch of people? I'm not advocating for slavery, but like there's an advance <laughs> that you know what I mean. I'm not saying that, but like you know, I, I guess that's one of the ways to sort of advance civilization if you put your trust in one person and then you know you dedicate your life to that person building a whole bunch of shit for that person in that person's name but now we've gone to we've gone beyond you know um uh, thinking that uh you know magic gods move the sun across the the sky we know why it's happening and we have the resources the technology and the know-how um, that we don't need to depend on sort of spirits or anything like that. We can just change our minds, right? And that's also a scientific thing. Like what I love about the scientific method is it does its best to take the human ego out of it. Like it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you come from, E equals MC squared. You might want it to be something different, but it's not, <laughs> you know, you could be Jewish, you could be Christian, you could be atheist, you could be whatever. It's not. And now, that practical reasoning is what will get us forward. And now how do we craft that in a sort of, I don't know, um, storied way or a sort of communicative way that we can get everybody on board. So this is the new air quotes religion, you know what I mean? Or mm. motivation. The religion of climate change. I don't know if there yeah. was a question in there. No, there's 100 Cassie gets me going, man, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I, I gets me pontificating. Yes, because I, I, but I think you're onto something mm. here. I mean, in many ways, like I, I just kind of keep going back to like we, it's like we need a renaissance, mm, right? Yes. We need a renaissance. Oh. We, we need, we need the way that we can um, change everything, the way that we're thinking about everything, the way that we are seeing mm. things, um, in a way that helps propel society forward. And mm. and I think you know, and this. This renaissance, I think, does need to address that question that you are posing about how can one person on the planet have that much money mm-hmm. and everybody else have, like, nothing. Yeah. There, there, there are so many people in the same country mm-hmm. that that person lives in mm-hmm. who, who cannot eat today. Right. And, and, and what does that say about us? Yeah. What does that say about us? And what does it say about us that, you know, this this these, these uh, stimulus packages and, and the, the bills coming out of, of Congress, you know, what does it say about us mm-hmm. that that was so hard to do? Yeah. That, that it took, you know, so much negotiation and it wasn't so much negotiation about like the details of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get that, okay. Mm-hmm. But it was, do we do this or not? Right. And, and if we aren't going to have a renaissance that, that cares about everyone, mm-hmm. then we we don't again our fates are tied mm-hmm. we are not getting out of this mess and mm-hmm. and 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 this is the moment where we have to decide who we really are mm-hmm. and and what we really stand for mm-hmm. um and and it is not a moment to be on the sidelines right. in this so i have a question for both of you because you know i'll tell you raise this idea or this really good point you know you have someone who could literally say all right every american i'm gonna every every i'm i'm just speaking about america right now but they could also do it internationally or group of people sure everybody gets solar paneling for their house right we're, we're gonna pay for that mm-hmm. is money the answer is making things available the answer and i'm not saying i mean there's obvious inequity but specifically with climate change if we mm-hmm. did this would it would people take it more seriously or would they take it for granted more 
Is it something where if we if we're using money that we can embed something in the culture so that people, you know, uh, like I I don't know if everyone's going to come around to a scientific way of looking at things or even believe in science. I, mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen because that is such a systemic thing that's tied to education, and we yeah. aren't you know we aren't even fully doing it now within education not to mention the people who, who are done with formal education and have formed their worldviews. Mm -hmm. So making things available and easy, you know, sort of like if you're in a city and that has recycling bins everywhere, let's say like San Francisco versus Memphis where recycling wasn't as much of an issue. Does that, you know, I, I don't know what the data is, but does that make people more inclined to recycle? Would that solve the answer if, if we're just like, all right, we're going to pay for these things. They're just embedded in the society or would it still be politicized? I mean, uh, I'll go first because I know what Cassie's going to be way more brilliant than me. So I'll just I'll get my <laughs> no, answer no, no, out of the no. way quick. But I think that, um, I, I you know, I I don't like to confuse money with resources because they're the same thing. It's just how we handle resources, right? And um, I think that money is inclusion, right? When you are part of the society and, um, uh, uh, you know, an actual part of the society, like you get the same schools as everybody else, like you get the same quality of education, you get the same quality of housing, you get the same quality of air, water, all of that stuff. It in it, it endears you to a community that you want to be a part of. Do you know what I mean? When you are marginalized simply because you were born a certain way or simply because you were born in, an, in a zip code, it's hard to bring you on board because you are worried about all these other things. Right. People with all the resources they need, you know, I mean, I'm talking about base level resources. You've got the house, you've got um, a, a warm place, you're safe, food. Your, your food, your children are educated, you're warm, um, you're not going to immediately die, healthcare, all of that stuff. You're a part of this society now, and your self interest um, also. Uh, is the self-interest of the society, right? Because you don't want this to go away, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yes, the solution is giving people money, right? You know, giving people money, especially in our capitalistic society, being part of the society means you have money, means you have means. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that is one of the things that you have to do, right? A, a religion that doesn't include its followers is not a religion that's going to ever work right like you have to feel like you are part of the system right you're you're also saved because if you're not then what's the point right so that's my my shitty answer <laughs> brilliant answer brilliant answer i'm gonna build i'm gonna build on it um the you know and this reminds me too um and Kwaku, I've, I've been thinking about you about about the the people's climate vote because one of the things that we asked in the people's climate, we asked people to self-identify their, their gender and their age and their education level. And we looked at all the data when it comes to who was thinking that this was a, that climate change was a global emergency versus who wasn't. And the number one thing was level of education. Mm. That at nothing else really, really compared your age, where you, if you were in a rich country, a poor country, if you, wherever you were, if you had a high level of education, and this is just, and not even a climate education, just an education, you were more likely to understand that there was a climate crisis. Mm -hmm. 
And we really saw this, the number one uh, group on the, the highest sort of, we took all of the people who were educated around the world, those that had the highest rate of um, belief in the climate emergency were highly educated people from Africa. Mm. And this is so interesting, mm -hmm. right? Because when you look at some of the places in the world that are so vulnerable mm -hmm. to climate, it is Africa. Mm -hmm. And so when you see people who are highly educated, and, and, I, and I think this is where we, you know, we go back to how are we enabling people to be, uh, to have the information that they need. And, you know, and Otto, as you were saying, like you grew up mm -hmm. with science, you yeah. grew up with these things. Mm -hmm. And when you start having access to them at a young age and you start having, you have strong school systems that help you to sort of see the world mm -hmm. in, in this way, it, it helps to inform you as big crises like this come, come your way. And, and you start saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be curious about this. I'm not going to say, oh, I, I don't believe this or, or a politician's telling me something. Right. And it, you know, instead you're going to, you're going to be curious about it because right. you, you want to know, you want to know more. Right. Um, and I think this is this is so critical. And and I think that, you know, with with resources, I, you know, there is this moment I think with COVID to to help sort of level this out mm -hmm. a bit because we are seeing such polarization of wealth. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is crazy in the world today that that we have people that are that are starving. Mm -hmm. But yeah. there are people who don't have enough to eat today, mm -hmm. and and. The, and this is millions of people yeah. that across don't. all and, countries and, and too, right? Across all countries, yeah. it, it, and it's 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 so interesting um, that we that this is a choice. Mm -hmm. and this is a choice we are collectively, mm -hmm. and and this is really important. And um, and one of the things that came to mind too, you know, because we we've of course been sort of looking at how countries are dealing with COVID and and um and climate and what's going well and what's not going well. And and one of the countries that it, that is so interesting about what's happened there is Bhutan. Mm -hmm. And Bhutan has handled the COVID crisis just incredibly. And one of the reasons that it has been so uh so strong there is because immediately it was a we are all in this together. Mm. And even the prime minister was taking ships at the hospital, wow. even, you know, you, you saw everybody chip in mm -hmm. and for people that were some of the, the poorest in the country, they were taken care of mm -hmm. by, you know, immediately. And, and, and school kids were taken care of. There was this, this, this sort of mantra of, we are all in this together. Mm -hmm. And, and when we look out for each other, we really can help everyone to, to thrive. And it's not just about sort of, I'm going to, I'm going to build my own bunker. I'm going to build my own sort of protective right. force right. because I'm going to get my toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, um, that's not going to last. Yeah. Like just looking out for yourself first mm -hmm. is, is just not going to last because we are too interconnected now. Yeah. We, we, we can't, we can't do that that way. So there's, yeah. a, there's a whole other, okay. Alto, do you have a question? I, no, no, I was just going to say it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the ultra rich disaster preppers who are like building, you know, yeah. $10 million bunkers underground for the, you know, eminent disaster of the earth. And it's like, you don't have to go through all that. You just have to understand that we're all in this together and we could avoid all of this. Right. Like, and it's like, 
So you bought yourself an island, right? And you've 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 converted a, an old missile silo into like this really snazzy apartment underground that you're going to stay there with who? Like okay, your family? Who's going to be helping you around the Oh, so are you going to bring your I guess your Staff. gardener, your your butler like And what are you going to eat? What are you like, going to eat? Are, like, where are you going to get food? Yeah. Like I you know, like even if you cram as many canned goods as you can, like one day you're going to want an apple. Right, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> or or your, the martini that you're talking about or the baseball game that you're talking about. And that includes the rest of humanity, right? And so like, right. The, the solution that you're coming up with is like the worst solution, right? Instead, take those resources and don't build the fucking bunker. Like you know, like argue for, um, you know, a more inclusive society where everybody's educated so that we don't have to go to fucking Armageddon every time something happens. Like we understand that we're all in this together. Let's help each other out. Like peel off a billion of your own dollars, dude. Like you'll be fine. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, right. so all right, this is based on what you both have said, you know, and it made me, uh, Cassie, it made me think about, um, you know, the project that we worked on specifically um, that, you know, we worked on this project where Cassie worked it out. We went to Fiji. We recorded these kids yep. specifically talking about how climate change affected them in Fiji. Mm -hmm. And what I was thinking about when you said this, the idea of um, uh, really intelligent people or educated people in Africa seeing it and part of being educated is that you get you get a larger view you start to make connections and and see how thing you know you start to see causality and it made me think about one of the kids that we filmed and he was talking about how much closer the water had come to his village because he lived mm -hmm. in this village right on the beach he's like the beach used to start way out you know like the water used to be way out there and that's mm -hmm. where this all this was beach and most of it was underwater mm -hmm. and so the question i have is how do we um, and you can use Texas as an example as well with what happened mm -hmm. with them, with their right. mm -hmm. How do we get people to feel empathetic without the causality aspect of it? How do we connect them to this? Because doing it through science isn't working. You know, mm -hmm. what, what are the stories that we tell where people um, can empathize and relate without it having happened to them? Chris Christie mm -hmm. can talk about COVID now because he got sick. Right. But he wasn't talking about it beforehand. Mm -hmm. right. You know, right. how do we do that? Yeah, right. Well, I think there's there's a few a few pieces of this. I think that one is, I think we need to really value the witnesses to climate change, you know, and we need to value being a witness to climate change. And, and, and I think, you know, in thinking about these, these, these kids out in Fiji, you know, you can, I, I think it, it, to be a kid in Fiji and to experience a category five cyclone, mm -hmm. you are on an island. You have nowhere to go. Like all you can do is essentially, and, and I know, and Guapu, we talked about this, you know, there was a whole village that hid in a cave during a, a category five storm. No, you're, you're downselling it. They hiked because we did the hike mm -hmm. five miles into the jungle, barefoot mm -hmm. in pouring rain to hide in a cave because there was a mudslide where people died. Wow. Right. But that's the causality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a category five storm, you know, if you don't have a building that is storm proof, category five storm will take out every single window. Mm -hmm. Every it'll take off the roof. Mm -hmm. It'll take, I mean, just like nothing. Mm -hmm. And and I think that people 
until we start, and I think this is also why climate change became much more um, discussed in the United States after Hurricane Katrina, because all of a sudden people were like, oh my goodness, we, we can't engineer ourselves out of this. Like this is something that, that you know, nature is more powerful. Water is more powerful and, and we, we need to respect that. And we need to respect the stories of people who have survived these, these things and respect and listen to them about what it's like. And, and, you know, I think too, um, I mean, a, a couple of things, I mean, one is, so, you know, with Texas, I just found it so fascinating to watch that, you know, that, that these were again, sort of back to, these are decisions that were made over years of time to make Texas as vulnerable as it was. Mm -hmm. And, and for, for a state that has, you know, don't mess with Texas as it's, you know, as it's informal motto, you sure set yourself up Mm. to, to be messed with because when you are isolated from the rest of the country, when you are saying that your entire energy system is is on um, on these, these these pipelines that then freeze, and then you start blaming some some wind turbines <laughs> to try to get yourself out of it, yeah. I mean, everybody sort of looks at you like people are dying. Yeah. Like people died, and, and 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 how can you waste our time with this nonsense? Because you know you have to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. You have to take this seriously. This is this is something where lives will be lost. Um, and, and the whole world is changing and you aren't, you aren't taking this seriously. And, and I think too, in terms of like with the storytelling, I think we also need to start telling the stories about the long-term impacts of climate. Like, um, you know, I was, no, I'm going to name drop here. Mm. I, I was giving a talk to, um, the producers guild Mm. and, um, and it was, it was this fascinating discussion with, um, some showrunners Mm. of, of of various television shows. And I was talking with them about how, you know, so much of how climate change is portrayed is a disaster, mm-hmm. you know, is a, is a, it, it is a storm or it is the fires or, or it is something. And I think that's important because those disasters happen. Right. But what we don't talk about is, and what I would love to see is characters in these shows that have experienced climate related trauma that are a part of their story. Mm. So for example, I would love to see a character in a show that lived in California during the wildfires mm. and has asthma. And they have asthma, lifelong asthma, because of that fire. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's things like this that, that, that are these longstanding impacts due to climate change that it's not just about, I mean, and the shocks are really important to describe, but you know, in the same thing, like, you know, Kwaku, I think about those, those kids hiked in a cave that will affect the whole rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, thinking about how traumatic that is and, and what that does to your sense of security and safety. Um, and, you know, and kids, and I know after storms, like often kids have a um, hard time going back to school. Oh, yeah. Because they're too scared of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that the, these are things, these are also part of the stories that we need to tell that, that it's... Um, this is changing people's relationship to the world right. and, and, it, and, and we need to be, we need to be mindful, yeah. mindful of that. Even, and also the quickness, sorry, I'll just no, no, go ahead. quick go ahead. comment there. Like you, you guys mentioned that these are kids that are experiencing this. So this kid what, is a five-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old in their lifetime has experienced something, a change. Like it used, the beach looks, used to look like this. Now it looks like this in five years. 
So that that also tells you the 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 the, the speed, the velocity that this is happening. This is not, oh, a hundred years ago I remember this forest was like this and now it's like this. Now it's like within decades these changes are happening, which which ratchets it up, ratchets up the danger and the peril that we're under. But go ahead, Kwaku. Sorry. No, no, no. It's it's yeah. along the same lines. And I, I think yeah. I told Cassie this story. Uh, you know, it's like we flew into Fiji and it was like the first group of kids. We did we were interviewing kids to talk to them about how climate change affected them. Mm-hmm. So there was kids from this village, and then the people on Cassie's team, they were like, Well, how, you know, how old should the kids be? And I'm like, Well, you know, I guess we can start with elementary age kids and mm-hmm. kind of go from there. I mean, elementary to middle school. So think mm-hmm. like between sixth and eighth grade. Right. So we're in this, uh, we're we're in this uh this new village that the UN had set up. Um, it's beautiful. It's in, it's in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And the first kid, you know, is there and we set up and their parents are there and we have like a little microphone and, you know, and, and, and it's my job to interview the kids. And so I, you know, I say to the first kid, well, can you tell me what happened the night of the storm? Mm-hmm. Boom, tears. Mm-hmm. It cannot speak. Kid is completely fine. Two yeah. ago, tears. And I'm like, all right, right. Cool. we're going to pause. We're going to, we're going to regroup, you know, mm-hmm. we move on to the next kid. And keep in mind, their parents are there and their parents want them to talk about it. And, mm-hmm. and we're thinking middle school, but middle school in the U.S. is different than middle school in Fiji. Mm-hmm. Exposure, all of that. Right. Second kid, same thing. I ask one, the same question. Tears. Mm-hmm. This happens with three kids. And finally, like, all right, well, we can't do this today. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to work. with. But those kids have that trauma built in. Right. You know, and that, mm-hmm. the trauma of like rain, rain could potentially mm-hmm. mean someone dies mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then the other group that you're talking about like the kids who live right on the beach they they told this crazy story about how they're out just playing on a saturday morning and then all of a sudden the ocean is huge like we're talking like 10 foot waves mm-hmm. and they you know they're like you know 20 feet from the beach that's where their right. village is and right. so their parents you know the, the kid's dad um there's like a bunch of boys they're just walk running around the village waking people up like we've got to evacuate we've got to evacuate we've got to evacuate mm-hmm. so they're waking people up and the parents who have cars are driving people away cassie i, I told you this story right yeah mm-hmm. and so you know the parents are driving people away and there's like a group of boys like five boys they're not playing anymore they're running around and then what happens in the in the chaos the boys get left in the village oh wow so like everybody's left everyone's evacuated and they Mm -hmm. you know because they're just picking people up and so the boys are like finding places to hide from these huge waves that are crashing Mm -hmm. the village so they have the they have the trauma of that but also the impending doom and the immediacy the causality at like this kid i mean this one kid i think he was like 15 or 16 at the time of yeah the ocean's coming closer and there's nothing we can do right and it's also, I mean, you, you mentioned trauma. I, I think that's something that we as humans um, on a societal and political level don't really deal with at all. Nope. Um, and that's important, especially our country, right? I mean, we're a country that was, um, you know, birthed on slavery and genocide. And um, we can't even come to terms with that over, you know, the last 400 years, right? We can't come to terms with that. And I think that's also, if you can't come to terms with what has been done to certain people, um, it's going to repeat itself and it's going to increase the trauma and it's going to increase the mistrust of the system. Because if you're, you're if, if I punch you in the face, but I won't acknowledge that I've done it, 
right? And we, how do we continue to be friends, right? If I keep punching you in the face and I say, I didn't put you in the face, that's your fault, right? Or even, and, if, even if you punch me in the face and I don't acknowledge I'm getting hit. Yes, yes, yes. And then you get into a point where you are, I guess, have to deal with being punched in the face and have to justify it for yourself in some way. Uh, what I'm saying is that there's a, we are going through a trauma right now uh, that is unevenly distributed, right? That that uh, New York Times article that I read that said one in three people have some no in America know somebody personally who's died of COVID, right? And that's a staggering number. But luckily, I don't know anybody who's died um, personally of COVID, but I know of people, right? right? And and so there are some people who haven't suffered, or, you know, directly from the virus. And there's some people who have lost their families. You know, I have a friend who lost, well, a bunch of people in his, in his uh, family. Um, and the inability, I, I guess until now, to even acknowledge that we're all in this together and that this is a group and, and, and fuck the countries right now, right? It's like all of us in humanity are suffering, even if we're not being touched by it, right? So, well, Fiji, guys, that's a, so far away. Like, okay, those kids had a bad time, right? But like in the collective sense, all we're all in that together just because i wasn't there to go through that flood doesn't mean i'm not connected in some way even if i don't know that kid because what that kid is is um being afflicted by eventually will come to me in some way shape or form it might not be a flood it might be something else it might be texas that they're going right. through uh you know a winter like they haven't seen in 10 years right and suddenly they're like why is this happening to us well the same fucking thing that happened to the kid in fiji that you don't give a fuck about is coming onto your doorstep now right <laughs> and and you can't get yourself out of it by being an isolationist you can't regardless of whether you like people or not you're still in the same planet at the same time. The other thing that I want to say is um, I've been making a practice to not say, oh, I'm going to nature. Like I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going on a, a, a hike because I just need to be close to nature, right? I feel like another problem is our human egotism, egotism that we are somehow separate from nature, right? Mm. Like all of this is nature. Uh, I've, I had a girl, a uh, um, conversation with my girlfriend about that as well like where it's like all of this is nature you cannot be outside of nature you're not above the planet and we're not even saving the planet we're sa we're trying to save our ability to live on the planet right the planet doesn't give a fuck about us right it's it's a three billion year old ball that's flying around in space you know what I mean like we've only been on it for 200,000 years like it's not a big deal to the planet to us it's a big deal and so as as soon as we get our own ego out of the way right like we're some kind of special animal that des that deserves some special dispensation on this planet I think we'll go a, f a long way into seeing how together we are on this planet and how Funk and how much of a part and parcel we are to nature because we are nature. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we are. I I think this this idea of of not being separate from nature is so important. Um, we are it, and and what's so interesting is that you know we are a species on the planet that is actively causing our own extinction. Yeah, <laughs> actively. Yeah. We are making choices. Yeah. 
every day mm -hmm. to cause our own extinction. Yeah. And what the hell are we doing? <laughs> okay, what, like, honestly, like, what, what the hell are we doing? And that doesn't matter yeah, if you are rich or if you are poor, I, you know, all of it. Like, mm -hmm. We are collectively making these choices that cause our own extinction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that is not an exaggeration. That is not me sort of being, you know, my, my, you know, exaggerating, exaggerating self. Mm -hmm. it, it is just, it, it is just fact mm -hmm. that, that, and, and we have a lot of people around the world raising some very big, bright red flags mm -hmm. saying, we got to stop this. Yeah. But to stop this requires us to entirely change our relationship to each other and mm -hmm. our relationship to the world. Mm -hmm. And we have to be willing to do that. Mm. Um, we, we have to be willing to, to be our own Avenger, right? Mm -hmm. we, we've got, we've got to do it ourselves mm -hmm. um, because there, there's no sort of magic that's going to happen um, out, of, out of nowhere mm -hmm. that, that we have to start making choices that do start to save ourselves yeah. in a way that, um, in the way that is caring for everybody because we are in it together. Yeah. Ooh, Cassie Flynn. You know what I'm saying? You know, know what I mean? <laughs> Ooh, Cassie Flynn. Yes, <laughs> ma'am. All right, I'm going to back uh, up. I knew Otto. I love you guys. <laughs> I knew Otto would guess your voice right away because we were practicing yeah. before you came on. Because I was like, <laughs> you need to hide your voice because you know it's you. And it's not, not, I mean, you have a distinctive voice, but more because he loves you so much. I, yeah. <laughs> so he's, yeah. Going, he's going I, to know it's you. Yes, yes. Oh, man. I, 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 need, I need more of you both in my life. I just, I, I miss you both so much. Ooh. Too. What a what oh, oh god yeah I think about you a lot um, not just in terms of climate change but just your mind is uh, fantastic your ability to I mean you're a storyteller right so your ability to um, um, sort of uh, deliver and communicate these sort of complex um, concepts is probably why you do what you do like and why you're so great at it and uh, uh, anything that you have to say is something that I, I um, I'm like well, well, what would Cassie think of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did I have pancakes today or waffles? What would Cassie? Climate friendly breakfast. Yes. <laughs> Am I good with this? Okay. All right. Well, oh, we, we should probably wrap on this, but it's sure. nice to know that people, I mean, Cassie, as we always say, you need to come back and there's, yeah. um, we're going to talk to you about another Happy. thing like off podcast mm -hmm. that we might, we might want to do with you as far yeah. as like, the messaging and the storytelling piece because you are one of the best mm -hmm. um, storytellers and sort of um, bridges from this really complex problem mm -hmm. to the rest of us. You know, I think, I mean, count, yeah. count me in, count me in. Let's, let's, the Renaissance starts here. Oh, exactly. hell yes. Exactly. Yes. I there love it. <laughs> exactly. All right. So before, before we wrap, mm -hmm. um, can you, maybe talk a little bit about stuff that you have coming up. I know that the anniversary of the Paris Agreement is, is, is coming up. What are things that you are currently working on that is helping the rest of us to uh, take for granted what an amazing place and world we live on, you know, but helping us to exist in this place in a way that we, we should be doing more to be earning. Like, can you, can you talk about what essentially what you're working on? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so this year is a really, really important year uh, when it comes to sort of the collective effort on climate. And um, as we know, the, the Paris Agreement was adopted in, in 2015. And 
as a part of the Paris Agreement, the big thing that the real heart of the Paris Agreement, why it's so important is because every country in the world is meant to make a target on climate change. They are meant to sort of bring this target, this, this, this contribution uh, to, to the fight against climate change. And, and this is new in the world to, to have an, to have a treaty where everybody brings something and you get to decide what that thing is. Um, but there, there are a couple of things that are really important. And one is every five years, you need to improve it. Mm. And so the first round of this was in 2015 and five years later, of course, 2020. Um, but because of COVID, it got delayed mm. by a year. Oh. And so, so this year, what, what's happening is there's going to be a big, big global meeting um, that is hosted by uh, the United Kingdom that is another round of negotiations under the Paris Agreement. But it marks the moment that all of these countries are meant to put their sort of they present their dish at the potluck. You know, this is the thing. And, and, and this is where when we add up all of those targets together, it's going to tell us if we're on track to, to meet the goals of, of the Paris Agreement. Mm. And so what I'm working on is, um, and this is a part of, you know, it, this, this incredible team at, at the United Nations Development Program who um, we're all working together to help countries to be as ambitious as they can when it comes to those targets and then talking with them about how they're going to actually make those targets happen. So, mm. you know, for example, if they talk about protecting nature or they talk about um, changing their food systems, that the UN and, and all of our partners are, are on hand to help them make that happen. Mm. So, um, so right now, um, I'm, I'm the leader of this, of this program that, that does this. And so um, we're, we're hard at work. Um, we're, we're not getting a lot of sleep these days. But um, doing you everything. never sleep. You never sleep. You're always working. <laughs> <laughs> <These days. laughs> she runs on true. lithium batteries yeah, that and, are in, and sunshine. In, yes, and sunshine. She's yeah. got solar panels. Yes. <laughs> Cassie is a solar panel. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, seriously. No. That's the best compliment everyone's ever given. <laughs> but anyway, you guys are working hard. Uh, you're not sleeping a lot, and you're you're basically. Um, um, I guess, sort of setting up this environment to not only create a space where countries can uh, be successful in sharing out their plans, but also maybe find collaboration points. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think back to, you know, how do we tell these stories, mm. yeah. right? Mm. How do we tell this story? How do we tell this story about what it's like to live the climate crisis in real time? And what is it like to solve it? Mm -hmm. And how can we get everybody a part of these solutions? You know, this is this is the moment mm -hmm. for everybody to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah, that's a that's a hero epic. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's that's awesome. Well, <laughs> shit. That's what I'm saying. I mean, first of all, Cassie, your story is that story. I'm looking forward to that addition to the Marvel yeah. universe. Um, yep. <laughs> We're all Avengers. Yes. We're all Avengers we're all now. Avengers. Yes. <laughs> True. Actually, you're absolutely right. And we're all yeah. we're all sharing the same story. Yeah. We are. Wonderful. We can be the heroes. You know. Well, damn. We got it together. I, I, I can't really add anything after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you I can't know. follow Cassie Flynn. I don't know if she even yeah. realizes how well she speaks. Yeah. Words. I'm like, 
oh no, I'm supposed to be saying something because I'm processing and I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm part of this too. What am I, what am I doing right after, yeah. <laughs> right after this recording? Yes. You know, yes. we be part of that solution. There you go. Oh, but, but you both are such an inspiration to me. You know, the work that you're doing is appreciate just incredible. Yeah. And, and much what appreciated. you've done with this podcast. Oh my goodness. I love this podcast. Thank you so, so much. Awesome. I'm such a fan. Yeah. Groupie. All right. We are lucky to just have, know amazing people like you um, that can help to add to that, as you said, to that potluck yeah. um, and be able to be, you know, have a small part of the storytelling. Yeah. This, yeah. specifically this topic amongst yeah. the other things that we talk about, but really oh, today and in general every day, yeah. this idea. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to say this. Um, you, sir, with the Muhammad Ali t-shirt, who are you? I'm Otto. And who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda V. Dope. Shit. Yes. And, and who have we been yes, do it. graced with? Do who it. has assembled to us to 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 sort of give us more of the, the story that we need to save ourselves on this beautiful blue planet? But uh, my friend, I'm going to treat her like she's my best friend because, you know, I'm a groupie. You know uh, happens? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, but Cassie Flynn, I was about to give you the honorific Cassie fucking Flynn, but I didn't want to like, you know, offend you. So, <laughs> I'll take it. Yes, I'll Cassie take it. F. Flynn. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Cassie. Oh, my pleasure. I, ad I adore you. So thank you so much. And keep coming back. Yeah, oh, yeah. Count me in. It was count me in. so Anytime. good to see you. Like, uh, like I'm so glad. Yeah, I was like, Cassie, yes. <laughs> I know. I want to hug. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to go. We can all hug. just hug. Yes, can't wait to just hug. Can't wait to. Oh hug. my god. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yes, and peace. <laughs> right yeah. so you know we've got a good team including you and me i mean uh, right. but you know the, the the like i said at the end her mind is just fantastic and her ability to communicate complex thoughts uh and issues is quite compelling and uh i'm glad that she exists because she's awesome it's it's
it's amazing how thoughtful she is. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we often talk about this, like the greatest minds that we have are mm -hmm. writing beer commercials for the Super Bowl, <laughs> you, right. know, you know? Right. And it's really great to see an example of that not happening, but like this really brilliant person who yeah. is doing something in, yeah. in this selfless way for yeah. all of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you if know? she wanted to turn her power, if she got frustrated and wanted to like turn her powers to evil, it would look out, we'd be fucked. Yeah, no, that would 100% happen. Not that yeah. we expect that from you, Cassie. <laughs> yes, um, yes. But, but yeah, there were a lot of interesting even ideas that came up as, about the, the idea or the concept of communicating um, the urgency of something doesn't have like the immediate effect of like a flood or a tidal wave or right or right. or fires or freezing cold like people have to experience all this stuff first yeah and it really it really it shifted the way i've, I've been thinking about climate change and mm -hmm. and and also why maybe people some people it resonates with and other people it, it doesn't right um i also think it's like you know it's 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 evolution as in like we are an animal that um you know evolved on the savannah plains or wherever um and we are programmed for immediate dangers like they say you know the uh what's that rustle in the bushes is it the wind or is it the saber-toothed tiger it's good right. to know immediately but you know okay there's a saber-toothed tiger that's coming to eat you in 150 years well, you know, how, how much time are you going to spend worrying about that? You, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, we don't have the ability to think forward. And I think the, uh, the thing that we do have is this, um, incredible, I'll call it a technology, um, uh, a, a sort of philosophical technology of, you know, um, uh, a group mission or a group purpose. I think that's what philosophies and religions have given us like, okay, we all believe in this one thing, mm -hmm. whether it's a religion or whether it's a nation or whether it's a kingdom, right? But this is what we're fighting for, right? And so that's how you motivate um, groups of people to get them to protect themselves because, well, we're all Americans, so we all are in this together, or we're all Christians, or we're all Moors, or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have that that iteration of the technology has gotten us far enough but now we've we've evolved or or the problems that we have have evolved past those because now we understand the basic functioning of let's say the planet and now we know that it's not some um you know perhaps or we we understand science right we we understand the motivations and under we understand science in a way that we can't excuse we can't be like, well, that hurricane that hit um, Katrina was because God was punishing the gays and the yeah. fornicators, right? Yeah. Because what that does is it says, well, now our agency is in some spirit. It's not in us, right? But recognizing that, well, this is a function of how we've been acting on the planet then has to put the responsibility in our hands and then we have to figure out a way to um, come together to fight this thing because now it's our it's our responsibility mm. which is i think the leap in thinking that the scientific method can give us 
Now we just have to make it the motivating or animating factor uh, of the rest of the population, I think. Yeah. No, and it's funny because as you were saying that, I was thinking God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> so right. there is agency uh, even within that group think. Sure, um, sure. And the, uh, you know, the idea of taking that agency and, and actually doing something with it mm-hmm. beyond the immediate fear, that is right. huge. That is yeah. so huge. And and yeah. even what we were talking about, the idea of how, you know, people are ready to believe the cons- like the wildest conspiracy right, right. over the, the wildest truth. Right. And, you know, even if they're both sensationalized and, and maybe this is a shortcut, but, you know, what we started talking about the idea of like, well, how do we, how do we sensationalize this? How do we make this the mm-hmm. thing where people have the, I mean, they do have the Facebook groups about it, but mm-hmm. not in the same way where they have these passionate Facebook groups where they're discussing it. And this is what's going to happen. Like, how do we get, you know, hundreds of people to, you know, uh, start composting as opposed to storming the Capitol? Like, what is that I, process? Well, I think part of that process is, you know, the the stories of the conspiracies are compelling, right? They make you the center. They make you the hero. You are the Luke Skywalker. You're the guy who gets the uh, lightsaber to to fight the forces of doom, right? Right. Now, we don't have that with the actual factual knowledge of climate change because climate change is not a personality, right? It's not something coming to get you. It's just a manifestation of nature. It's it's amoral. It's a um, it's ambivalent. It's just happening, right. right? And so, if you're saying, well, there's a deep state of people um, eating baby faces, or they are, um, you know, Tom Hanks and Hillary Clinton are, you know, have a a bunch of children that they are trafficking. That's something like sensational and real and you can be a hero now how do we do that with climate change where it's not a person that you can you know hate it's just the planet (laughs) you know what i mean um that's hating ourselves and what we do to the planet and i think you're right exactly it's now it's our responsibility Ooh, and like this is happening it's gonna happen it's kind of happening because of our activity on the planet but like it's just happening and it's not an evil alien. It's not Jewish space lasers. It's not a something thing. that, yes, it's not a thing. It's, it's us having to like come to like us having to put our big boy and girl pants on and say, we're in this kind of alone. We only have ourselves and mm-hmm. we've got to figure out our agency and take responsibility for our actions. I yeah. think that's what I'm trying to say. And no, so, and that makes sense. That's a tough one. Yeah. And I would even add big non-binary pants. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. As well. Big all pants. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there is the nice thing about this is that there is no easy answer. Mm-hmm. Um, no short solution, mm-hmm. but I love, I love being able to even eavesdrop or be part of that conversation yeah, and yeah. talk with people like Cassie. I mean, even the stuff she was talking about with the data piece and how they collected yeah. that data, which mm-hmm. is so brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, yeah. because yeah. we've all done a thing like that. You're looking something mm-hmm. up and you're like, let me click on this thing with pictures or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me answer this quick survey. Right. And it's scary that this is how you get to the truth of how the populace yeah. is thinking. Yeah. But it's brilliant that they were able to collect such amazing data and then right. act upon it. Right. Uh, so great thinking outside the box and sort of like using the, you know, facilities that you already have and like right. also cha- figuring out a way to um, um, put something such that it's acceptable to the person 
that like the entry into a person's belief system, right. whether it's a QAnon person or you or me, right? I'm not perfect. There's probably shit that I believe that probably does not have any support in reality. Um, but the way of phrasing things and presenting things in a way to get into a person's mind, to get them to critically think through something is, uh, I think, very important. And she touched on that, which was awesome. You know, baseball, they care about baseball. Okay. Brilliant. So, don't even say climate change. Just say, yeah. you want to see more baseball? This is the problem. So what do you want to do about that? Which is great. Or even see the same amount. Same amount of baseball or you, you want know, to, you know, whatever Have chocolate is. or olives yeah. or you avocados. Like right. Yeah. Or do yeah. you like fish? And, yeah. and and that she raised that really great point about in other places. It's just, it's not politicized. It's social. And yeah. having, and I, you know, having lived in the South for a period of time, there are people that, you know, I'm friends that have way different political beliefs than I do, mm -hmm. but they, you know, but the idea that combined with what you said about the idea of going into nature, as mm -hmm. opposed to realizing that this is, we aren't disconnected from nature yeah. because we're in our homes or because we're not on the beach or whatever. Yeah. And so I would, you know, I'd be in cars or be hanging out with some of these friends and they would enjoy nature on the same level and sometimes more than I would. Right. You right. know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, I think there's a really strong point there about connecting it to those things, mm -hmm. those common things that we all enjoy, like yeah. a backyard barbecue with, with family and friends. Yep. How do yep. we ensure that we can still, I mean, cause even now mm -hmm. during COVID that we can't yeah. do those things. Yeah. 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 We appreciate it way more. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So shit. Cassie motherfucking Flynn, man. man you, you, awesome. threw the, you threw the MF on that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just, <laughs> that's the honorific, ladies and gentlemen. That's the honorific where I'm from. So yeah. it's awesome. She, yeah, she might uh, she might become a fleazy. I don't know. I, I know you like to yeah, sign the Yeah, easies. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cassie, Cassie, I'll keep working on it. Flynnese, Flynnese might do it. Yeah. So anyway, I'll work on it. But she's awesome. So. Oh man. Oh man. Well, with with that being said, who are you? I'm Atu, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Yes, sir. There it is. All day. Believe it. Thank yeah, you guys man. for listening. Peace. Peace. Yeah, dude. You don't.